One, two, three. Hallelujah. Clap for the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Let's all be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Yeah, it's a good day today. Amen. It's a good day. I feel just good stuff. You know, the atmosphere is is set really nice by by the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we just thank God for that. And, you know, God's taking us somewhere. If God's taking us somewhere, how many of y'all are willing to go? You know, I'm not I'm not just talking about like moving and all that. I know we got things going on like that in our church, but I'm talking about in your life. You know, just be like God's taking me somewhere. I'm willing to go wherever that may be. Because as long as I got him, I know it's going to be good. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus for blessing us to be here this morning. We thank you for giving us yet another opportunity to sit at your feet and to receive fresh rhema from heaven. I bind the work of the devil right now in the name of Jesus, that there be no distractions, but that your word would go forth and accomplish that which you've sent it to. We thank you and we surrender to the power of the Holy Ghost now in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Look at your name and say, get your Bible out. Come on, clap for the Lord. Amen. All right. Okay, so uh, I'm going to preach this message this morning entitled Walking on Water. Walking on Water. And so God has greater for you. Look at your name and say, God has greater for me. Okay, think about this. Think about where you are now. Maybe it's a good place. Maybe not. It doesn't matter. But God has greater for you works for everyone. Amen. Because even if you feel like everything's going great, God still has greater. Come on. If you feel like maybe I'm in a situation where things aren't going the best, God has greater. And so if you could be one that says, I know that God has greater for me. All right. So I want you to confess that. Let's do it together on the count of three. Just repeat after me. I know know for sure. That God has greater for me in Jesus name. All right. Amen. And so if you know that, then that's going to position you and it gets you to posture yourself to where you could be in a place to receive. Amen. You could be in a place where you can receive what God has for you. So God has greater for you, but you must be willing to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. You must be willing to walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes that becomes cliche, but that's a fundamental principle. It's a scripture that you ought to stand on. Second Corinthians five, seven, second Corinthians five, seven, it says, for we walk by faith and what? Not by sight. And so if God's got greater for me, I've got to be willing to accept this. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. So what does that mean? There's going to be some things you just don't understand. There's going to be some things that maybe are hard for you or, or whatever. But if you trust him, then you'll be able to move forward. So let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. And we'll start in verse 24. And just to paraphrase this, we know this was when right after Jesus had fed the multitudes, right? They had the multitudes with them and they were hungry and the disciples wanted to send them away. And Jesus said, no, you know, uh, basically he's letting them know you feed them. But what he did is he fed thousands of people right? Supernaturally. You guys know the story of the fish and the loaves, but this is right after this. And so, um, so what Jesus does is he sends his disciples off. And so they get in a boat and they're getting ready to go. 
he's going to go pray. He needs this time alone. Well, if we pick up in verse 24, he says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. So this means they had gotten out there in the boat. For a strong wind had risen, and they were frightened. Uh, let's see. And they were frightening. They? How do you say that? Fighting. They were fighting, not frightening. Yeah, and they were fighting heavy. Thank you, because I'm like, this ain't making sense. <laughs> I'm putting an R in there. It's not an R. Uh, but anyway, and they were fighting heavy waves. And so what does this let you know? It's, it was a battle. I mean, it wasn't just a little rock, and it was like, okay, they got out there, but then now... All of a sudden, everything is coming at them, right? How many know? How many you been in in uh, places of your life where you get out there and then it seems like, oh man, because everything is coming at you. Everything is coming at you, and so we see this, and it did not start out stormy. Let me help you guys. It didn't start out stormy, but sometimes now, many people teach, and I, I believe you know. The enemy will try to do whatever he can do, but sometimes you got to understand that God will allow things too. And so sometimes God will allow what you thought was comfortable to become uncomfortable enough. Come on, y'all, for you to step out in faith. See, some people will not step out in faith because they're too comfortable. Uh, you're used to it. Uh, it's, it's not enough, but it's doing just. And so people stay in these places, these comfort zones. Well, sometimes God has to allow a sh- to allow a shakeup. Oh, anybody up in here with me. Sometimes God has to allow a shakeup. So that now you be willing to step out. Amen. You be willing to step out. I remember, uh, when I was just working, I used to work for the school district. Then I worked for probation. I always worked these public sector jobs where I had a guaranteed pay and all this type of stuff. Well, I had a shakeup. God sometimes allows what you think is comfortable because even when I was in probation, I wasn't making money to be comfortable. Amen. I mean, I was making money, but it was like, this ain't enough. And I hated the job and all this stuff, but there is no way I would have quit. But God allowed a shakeup. Oh, come on. Because the boat that I was in, I thought it was comfortable, but it wasn't really comfortable. And God allowed a shakeup. And in that situation, they had some all this junk happening and they trained us to do something. And there was a whole thing. I guess somebody got in trouble. So we became the scapegoats. And so everybody that was on this particular shift and all this type of stuff or this particular time block, we all got blamed for doing something wrong. It was simple, some simple like checking hall checks or whatever. It was some, but basically it was a shakeup and it was something that God allowed. Now, that's why I teach you guys, because I learned from my life experience in my mind back then. I was brand new to speaking faith. I barely knew anything. I had just got to Pastor Miller's church. I, I was trying to learn some faith stuff. So I, I said, the devil's attacking, trying to steal my job. And, you know, I'm da, da, da. but I hated that job. Literally, I hated being there and it was not enough money. But I was calling myself fighting to keep it. But God allowed a shake up. Come on, somebody. Amen. God allowed what I thought was comfortable. He allowed me to experience discomfort. And then all of a sudden, 
you don't want to get out the boat, so let me just let this boat start shaking. And let's see what happens. And so as a result of that, that shakeup. Now, I didn't know what was going to happen for my life. But God blessed me to step into some other things that put me into another financial bracket that I would have never gotten at that place. But that was a situation where he allowed. And so, right. So when I look back. I don't blame the devil. Oh, come on, y'all. Man, I just feel this is an anointing. See, you can't give the devil credit for your trials. Come on, somebody. Because if you give the devil credit for your trials, then you're not going to praise God for when he turns that thing around and when he brings the beauty. Because if you give the devil credit for the trial that you've gone through, then you ain't going to have enough celebration in you. You ain't going to have enough praise, not even to... Uh, make it through that thing. So when I look back now, I say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, that makes no sense. What do you mean? Thank you, Jesus, that you got fired. <laughs> Did you just say that, Pastor? You said, thank you, Jesus, that you got fired. Praise God. Yes. Praise the Lord that I got fired. Praise God. Now, this is a different way of looking at it. Now, we could say we walk by faith. We're just going to willingly do it. But some of you won't do it until you're kicked out. Some of y'all won't walk on water until your boat gets removed from you. And so now you have a choice. Either walk on water or sink. Now, it would be great if we would all just say, hey, y'all ready to do this? And the boat is just like comfortable. And now we in the we in the boat together, and it, but it's tight. You know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes you overlook stuff. You say, "Man, it's a little crowded in here, man. I'm really not comfortable in here, but we'll be all right." And some people will be all right for another ten years. But God wants to get you out there because as soon as you get out there, you can experience a better life. And see, He's oh, I got to help you with this. He's not going to bring the better life to you. God was not going to bring me a better job while I was at that job. He was not going to have somebody send me an email that said, here's a better job for you. Now take it. No, he was not going to send that job because I was in a boat that I thought was comfortable. He had to get me uncomfortable enough in that boat to get up out of that boat and start walking by faith and not by sight. I had to get into something that I had no experience in. I had no knowledge of, but he had to force me out of the boat. And I can't give the devil credit for that. I can't give the devil credit for that. That was what God did. And because of his faithfulness and his love for me. He knew I was too stubborn and too loyal. Some people will stay in a situation that's bad until they're forced to get out of it. Because there's underlining fear, there's false security, there's something you think that is stability. And it's not even stability because if it's keeping you from walking by faith, then it's not stable. It's shaky and it's crumbling. 
God has new levels, new heights that he wants to take people to. But you can't get there without walking by faith. Amen. And you won't walk by faith if you understand everything. If you're comfortable with the way things are, you won't walk by faith. And so he will allow you to get uncomfortable enough to step out. Now, here's the thing with faith. Action. Look at your name. Say action. Action fuels faith. And so what does that mean? Action fuels faith. So when I start walking towards something, then now I get more energy. Oh, come on, somebody. It's like it's like imagine driving your car, but your engine doesn't really perform well until you start driving. Right. How many know you leave that car in the garage forever, then stuff is not going to work like it should. And so when it comes to faith, you start walking. See, some people say, Lord, I want to believe you more. Well, then he's going to say, start walking. Wait, wait, wait. No, see what I wanted to do, pastor. I need you to give me some scriptures to meditate on. And that way I can meditate on it. You don't need all that meditation. Start walking. The church, man, Christians are they They have more excuses. For being complacent. But sometimes God's going to shake up. I'm telling you right now. You might think what you got is is a comfortable thing. But if God got something greater for you, uh, sometimes he got it. Don't be so hard headed like I was to where I had to get canned. Amen. Amen. But sometimes he'll flip it on you. You say the devil. That devil is attacking me again. Hmm? Come on. Y'all know Jesus said, peace be still. But sometimes God can release a storm on you to get your attention. Mm, Y'all don't know what we're talking about. See, sometimes now, if you would be someone that would just quickly obey. then sometimes it's easy. A lot of times people don't quickly obey. And so God allows a shakeup. And so action fuels faith. Now go to verse 25. We're just going to be going through this verse 14. I mean, chapter 14. So at about uh, at about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them. What was he doing? So where were they? They were in a situation. They thought they were comfortable. God allowed discomfort. And so now there was some concern. There was some panic. Well, sometimes when a concern comes about, People are open to other options. <laughs> oh, come on. Sometimes when a shakeup happens, people all of a sudden, their ears are open to other options. I've had so many people that they're willing to listen to me pray for them when they're desperate. Amen. But when they're not desperate, oh, they don't, they're just hard. How I many know comfortable people can be hard headed? But desperate people will obey anything you tell them because they're desperate. If you're not desperate, you'll walk away and reason and rationalize. But if you're desperate, boy, you'll do, man, I didn't didn't run into some situation, man. This stuff don't even make sense. And you'll do it because you're desperate. But if you're not desperate, hey, well, I just, uh, 
well, let me go into prayer. <laughs> That's why you came to me, because you went into prayer. And you know the Holy Ghost told you what to do. Amen? Amen. But once again, comfortable people. So sometimes there has to be a shakeup. You know, I believe God is trying to bring people to the place where here's the way God works. He cannot flow in your life if you're not on your knees before him. Amen. And so I, I'm, I mean this metaphorically speaking. I'm not talking about you got to spend all your waking hours in the uh, prayer closet. It's you have to humble yourself. If you're not humble before God, his power can't flow. Amen. And, and so sometimes people are so hardened and so regimented and so stubborn and stuck in their ways that God can't flow. So sometimes for your own sake, say, oh, I'm going to allow you to be humbled. Amen. Amen. And the thing that allowed you to rest in your pride. Come on. You ought never rest in your pride. But there's many people that rest in their pride and pride always comes before a fall. Well, I believe God loves us enough. I know he loved me enough to shake up my life to let me know I can never depend on me. It's only going to be him. If anything happens for me, it's only going to be him. I have no power to do it myself. And so. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. So now here's the thing that you want to understand about Jesus is Jesus never tells us to do something he didn't do. Hmm? Jesus never tells you to do something he didn't do. And so he came to them walking on the water. Why did he have to come to them walking on the water? Because he was about to introduce them to walking on the water. But it's one thing, see, and that's why as your pastor, I'm never going to tell you to do something that I don't do. I'm never going to tell you to commit to something that I'm not committed to. Amen. I'm never going to uh, be one of these people that's always, don't you dislike those people that always got advice for you, but they don't follow any of it for themselves. They don't apply any of that advice to themselves. Listen, I'm never going to be telling you to raise your kids in a way I didn't raise mine. See, I get on some of y'all sometimes and I know you don't like it. I say, you need to make them kids come to church. Oh, I did. You, you guys can call and ask my kids, my standard, that they were raised with. Now, why would I be so adamant about telling you? Oh, because I did it. Amen. All these options kids have. My kids didn't get that. Well, Pastor, we're in a different time. Well, it's still the kingdom age. And the word still prevails. And the word still dominates. And you must adhere to the terms of this book. Amen. Amen? Because you're going to be the one answering to God. When you let your kid tell you what they're going to do. Amen? Well, me and my wife, we did not. That was a non-negotiable for us. And so I never tell you to do something I didn't do. Amen. Well, Jesus is coming to them walking on water because he's going to have them walk, but he needs to let them see it. How many know Jesus should be your banner? He should be your expectation. He should be your example. He should be your great encourager to the fact that where you say, if Jesus did it, I can do it. Hallelujah. Right? Why? Because 
Go to John 14, 12, NLT, John 14, 12, NLT. And we'll come back to this text in a moment. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do what? They will do the same works I have done. And even greater works than these will they do because I'm going to my father. So Jesus is letting it be known. If you believe in me, everything you see me do. Do we live our lives as Christians like that? Or is Jesus still on a pedestal? You know, we put Jesus on a pedestal. Huh? God didn't put Jesus on a pedestal because he don't have to put him up there if he's already there. God sent him so that we would be empowered and now we would have an example because if we did not have Jesus, we would never know what we're supposed to do. We would never know what kind of power we're supposed to walk around with here in the earth. But God sent his son, his only begotten son, right? And so now as a result of him coming here and then by example. Now, some people say, well, he was in his glorified state and he, you know, Jesus walking on the water. That's just against the laws of physics. And how many know the laws of the kingdom override the laws of physics? And they will work for you. But you must be one that believes it. Amen. And so he says greater works. So now if we understand, we don't just worship Jesus. We follow him. Amen. We don't just worship Jesus. We follow him and we emulate his behavior. You know, that's what a Christian is to be Christ like. And so I'm going to model my life after him. And so whatever he's done, I, I want to do it. I believe that I can do it as well. Now, we don't have to go to the cross and pay for everyone else's sin like he did. But we do have to die daily. And so we do have to uh, crucify the flesh daily in order to follow him and to be effective in that. Now, Back to our text, Matthew 14, so down to verse 26. He says, when the disciples saw him, well, what did they see him doing? Walking on water. They were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Why? Because that made no sense. Amen. Now, imagine this. Wouldn't you think that they could have been influenced by the experience they just had with Jesus? They just had an experience with him where he supernaturally fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So it's probably close to 20,000 people. They saw a miracle with their own eyes, but yet they get in a situation and trouble comes about. Come on. That's like people today. God does something great. You experience it or maybe even in a testimony service and you hear some stuff and then. Not even a couple hours later, you're already doubting. You're already, and it could be Jesus coming in your direction, but then now they want to call him a ghost. And so when the, the disciples saw him on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. So when you let fear speak, it always speaks nonsense. Y'all got that? Amen. So don't speak out of fear. 
you have fear thoughts coming in your head, don't let them thoughts turn into words. Because if you speak fear words, it's truly going to cancel out faith. And so here's what has to happen. So Jesus is coming to them in their situation that he's allowed to become uncomfortable now. And he's coming to them and he's walking on the water as an example, showing them what is possible. But then he also knows that fear must be eliminated before faith can be activated. Come on. Fear must be eliminated. Ah, y'all. See, don't you don't pray for stuff like "Ah, I'm just believing God right there. But if you have a fear in you of whatever you're praying for not happening, then you need to deal with the fear because the fear has to be eliminated before the faith can be activated. And fear causes paralysis. Fear causes complacency. Fear causes you to say, stay in a boat that has a slow leak, even though it's going under. Come on now. So that fear has to be eliminated before y'all in here with me. You know what you got to do with fear? You got to face it. You don't pray away fear. You don't pray away fear. You face it. And so you run right at it. And so fear has to be eliminated before faith can be activated. That's like people have fear when it comes to tithing. If I do that, I ain't going to have enough money. That's the first thing you need to do. Because you have a fear of lack and being without. And so what you need to do is run at your Goliath. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm up in here preaching today. You need to run at your Goliath. Don't wait for your Goliath to get taken out by somebody else. You the one that's got to take him down. You the one that's got to take him down. Can't nobody else take down that Goliath. You got to take him down. And the way you take him down is run right at him. Chop his head off. You run right at him. So the devil tries to keep you bound in fear. Oh, well, you know, you can't tithe because if you tithe, you're not going to have enough money. First thing you need to do is cut that tithe check and get it in immediately. You might need to give that thing online. And watch what God does. So now, once fear is eliminated. See, some, oh, man, I just, I believe God's helping us today. Some parents are afraid in their rearing of their children. Come on, I'm I'm just going to get all into all of this. They're afraid to confront them about things. They're afraid to discuss things. They're afraid to chastise them because, well, what if they, hmm, that's fear. What if this damages my relationship with them? What if I, ah, that's fear. So you don't run from it. You confront it. Because even if you speak words of faith over your children, but you have faith to speak those words, but you have not dealt with the fear, then the fear is still there. So the words of faith don't work. I'm speaking. He's a man of God. Well, you better confront him. She's a woman of God. You better confront. Oh, she uh, she's not doing right right now, but she's going to get better. No, she ain't getting better. That's your Goliath. Master, seem like you mean I got to go at my kid with a 
boom, a five, a slingshot and five stones. <laughs> but listen, you see how the enemy will have you be afraid. Amen. Here's what's going on right now in our world. The enemy is after these kids. He's after them when they're small. But he really tries to influence them when they become of age. So when they become of age, they have a little more influence over others. Oh, y'all, y'all not catching one. See, see, when they're little, they're dependent on the influence over them. And so they have little things that are, uh, you know, a little more harmless. You know, rarely do you hear of a five year old or a four year old or, you know, doing something heinous to another child. You know that there are those rare occasions, but it's not common. But when they get in the teen years, that's when they start molesting other kids. Oh, y'all, you didn't know I was you, you didn't know I was getting into this. So now. When they get in those teen years, that's when they start influencing. That's, see, that's when they start influencing other friends to do things that are not right. Come on. Come on. Rarely will you hear about a five-year-old passing around joints at school. But wait till they turn 12. Hmm? Wait till they turn 12. Because it's a 12-year-old that passed off pornography to your 12-year-old. Ah, on your cell phone that you pay for. Well, I I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on with these kids and I don't want to be too, uh, that's your Goliath. And if you don't confront it, he's going to get stronger and he's going to grow. And then pretty soon your kid who was passed pornography to them by someone else because you did not confront them. Now they're influencing others. Now someone else's child is a victim to your child and you're a Christian. Nobody wants to hear this. That's why they don't all come here. But I'm under the orders of the Holy Ghost. And if you listen, you will have victory. But if you do not, you will be defeated. And there's no praying around this stuff, man. There's no, ah, you got to deal with this stuff. If your kid is getting involved in stuff that's not of God, you have to confront it. You cannot be, uh, well, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on in their mind. It's a demonic attack. And you better stand your post and Cut the head off of that demon. Well, what if they don't like me anymore? You should have never got into parenting for likes. If you had kids because you couldn't have no friends, you made a mistake. See, some people are so friendly with their kids because they don't know how to relate to other adults. And they don't know how to have godly adult friendships. And so they step into ungodly alliances and soul ties with their children. And so that child becomes an idol because you have an unfulfilled life because you didn't reach the levels of success you wanted to release or reach. And so now you got a child and that child's your idol. God never gave us kids for idol worship. 
God gave us kids because he trusted us. He said, I'm going to trust you with this seed. And I have an expectation that you would raise them up in the ways of truth and godliness. I have an expectation that you will demonstrate holiness and boldness in front of your kids. So at least they see one person do it. Your kids ought to say, I got at least one person that I know represented this thing. Kids, parents today, they don't even want to whoop these kids. They're just getting punked by kids. And kids are just what? Doing everything. Craziness. Parents just afraid. Back in my day, you could get whooped in public. You can get the leather put on you in public. You could come get yanked up out of school and get whooped all the way to the car. Nowadays, kids talk to they talk to adults crazy. So, you know, they talking to their own parents crazy. See what I'm saying? Me and my wife, we were loving parents, but my, my kids knew. My my son, oh that brother, we tight, but he knew this man ain't playing. Ah, there was no passes, amen. Amen. Because I was not about to be punked in my own house. Some of the man, y'all get me going, man. Don't be no punk, man. Step up. Establish order in your house. What happens is what you allow. If you don't allow it, it won't happen. That's what we need, man. These kids are, man, they're getting turned out. And parents is what? What you doing? Believing for your breakthrough? Forget your breakthrough, man. Stand some ground for your kids. That's why I'm setting up some for so we can have some going on here. Because I'm like, man, let's let's at least have some we have as a church. But you know, this 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 cowardice that is taking over the church, like pastors, they're scared to tell people what's wrong and what's right. They're so busy worried about I need more people. For what? What do you need it for? Amen. Like what? I need the church to give me money. I mean, can you can get money somewhere else? Praise God. We need to teach this. We need to require. I'm going to continue to do this, man. I want to listen. I want people to come here. I don't care if you call me. You say this that place is so regiment. All I can tell you is if you sign up for this program and you commit to it, talk to me in two years and see where your life is. I guarantee you, you're going to be in a place that you would have never got there if you did not sign up for this and commit to it. I got nobody in this church that can come to me and say, I committed to the program and ain't nothing worked. I got families in here that committed to tithing and all of their income has gone up. Amen. But the devil don't want, he don't want people, you know. So you have to eliminate fear. So I'm, I'm afraid that my kid, I never thought, man, my wife never, 
I didn't gave my son. No, my girls, I gave, you know, I didn't, they were, I didn't have to give them too much. <laughs> but uh, that boy got a lot from me. I'm talking about, and he never once, I never once said, oh, man, I don't think he's going to like me anymore. Uh-huh. This ain't got nothing to do with like, brother, you going to get it. Amen. You see what I'm saying? Now, how you think he going to raise his kid? See, that's funny when your kids, get, they get whooped growing up, they, they be thinking, man, I just, you see, it didn't have to be all like that. You know, because when I, man, when I grew up, I don't know, man, because I, I don't know if I'll be giving the letter to the kids like that, because he was a little harsh, dad, and now I listen to him. Now I listen to him. My son got a son, he talking about, yeah, he going to get that leather when he get older, though. He got, he got, he sure, that's what thing he going to get. <laughs> but, because he knows. He knows. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Amen. You can't expect them to turn out some kind of way. God put them in your care. Amen? So, fear must be eliminated before faith can be activated. And that's any area of your life. Any area that you may have fear, confront it. Run at it. Whatever it may be, run at it. Because now, through the power of God, you'll be able to conquer it. And now... Faith can be released. Faith can be activated and you'll be able to go forth and do great things. And so we know fear did not come from God. Second Timothy 1 7 for God's not given us the spirit of fear, but one of power, love and of a sound mind. And so fear is a demonic spirit that attacks the soul. Fear is a demonic spirit that attacks the soul. Why? It's because it's your Soul is your mind, will, and your emotions. And so uh, fear is a demonic spirit that attacks the soul and is heavily dependent on life experience. And so think about this. People are not afraid of things that they haven't experienced. I mean, they don't even know. Like you ever think about a kid? Like a kid is not afraid. When kids are little, they're not afraid of nothing. You guys ever had a little kid that went to some stairs and you got scared? They didn't get scared. They was about to take them on, just tumble all the way down they never even thought anything. Come on, I mean, y'all had them kids where they start climbing upstairs. They said, man, you're not big enough to be climbing up that. But in their mind, they don't have any fear. They're just like, there's, get up there. I remember just so many things. Uh, my son is, was the adventurous one, but he would just, this boy would climb in the dryer. I was like, man. How are you going to climb in the dryer? Wow, what is, who even thinks of that? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not scared of stuff. They're not scared of jumping off nothing. You guys ever seen some kids run around, what they want to do, especially boys. They get on something, they want to jump off. Because in their mind, they don't have a concept of, I could get hurt. I could get hurt doesn't even come up in their mind. Well, the way fear works, it is heavily dependent on life experience. And so, unfortunately, people have experiences and then they're afraid of things turning out like they turned out before. And so the enemy knows he can use that as a stronghold. Also, fear is dependent on exposure. So you're exposed to things. You're exposed to bad things happening. People see things. Um, people hear noises or or something bad, an uh, uh, accident. So now, all of a sudden, they got in an accident, so they're a little nervous to drive. Well, had they not gotten that accident, they wouldn't have had that fear that came about Come on, with driving. And so the devil works in these things. People have had tragic things.
things happen. And because of that tragedy, there's a root of fear that's gripped them. But no matter where the fear came from, it has to be eliminated before faith can be activated. Come on. So you could have, listen, we're, you know, this is adults up in here, but any experience you can deal with, you could have had experienced things uh, in your, when you were young, you know, uh, you could know somebody, a friend, you know, I knew people, man, that got killed, gun violence and, you know, stuff like that. It could be, well, if you have a fear, it's like, man, I don't want to let my kids go nowhere. Come on. I can't I can't let um, my kid go anywhere because, you know, I know this one lady, you know, she lost her son or something. But that's fear. And so if you have fear now, you're taking that fear and you're saying, "Okay, I'm going to pray for God's protection. Well, you need to pray a prayer of faith. But in order for that prayer of faith to work, you got to eliminate the fear. Y'all in here with me. That's just like. Playing football or something. My, my son played football. Well, if I would have had a fear, I know plenty of people that have been hurt playing football. Plenty of people got paralyzed. Plenty of people got all, uh, uh, concussions and all this type of stuff. But if I have a fear of that, I cannot then say I have faith for him that he's going to be okay. Come on, somebody. Uh, I had daughters. Well, I could have a fear if I know about molestation and stuff. I could have a fear. Well, man, I don't want my daughters... Uh, to, to deal with molestation or rape or, you know, any of that stuff. Well, if I have a fear of that, how can I have faith that God's going to keep them? Amen. No, so what I got to do is I got to run at that because what's the fear? The fear is always dealing with exposure. So your exposure, sometimes it comes through somebody you know or something you experience or you hear it from somewhere. And so now you, you have that. You say, oh, this happened. You know, there are people that can have a fear of their house burning down because they know a family. They have their house burned down. They lost everything. And so they have a fear. I sure hope that doesn't happen to me. You can't have faith until fear is eliminated. And fear is not eliminated until it's confronted. And so if the enemy tries to tempt you, see, what I had to do with my daughters is I had to decrease some stuff. Oh, come on, somebody. I had to decree and establish Satan. You can't touch my daughters in the name of Jesus. If you even think about coming in there and messing with them, you're going whatever, whoever you try to use, they're going to drop dead. That's confronting it. That's not running saying, oh, let me guard them. Let me, you know, I'm going to get up. I'll keep going in there and let me just make sure. Let me just. How are you going to do that? You know, if you have a fear, a fear of, uh, I used to be out of town a lot, so I couldn't have a fear of my wife uh, being attacked at our home. I'm away and, you know. No. I confront it in the name of Jesus. Yeah, maybe that happened to some other people, but it ain't happening here in the name. This house is protected by the blood. This is. See, and this is why a lot of people got themselves in trouble with COVID because they allowed fear to be born in them and they never confronted it. How many know uh, confronting fear is not going to get a shot? 
That's not the confrontation you're supposed to have. You're supposed to have a confrontation with the word. You're supposed to go right at that devil and say, in the name of Jesus, I don't care how many people they put on the news. I don't care how many people are coming down with it. I don't care how many family members are coming down with it. It shall not come nigh my dwelling. In the name of Jesus. And I can say that by faith and I can walk by faith. So guess what? I can still hug you if you're coughing and sneezing. I ain't got to be uh, doubling up on no mask to be around you. It's fear based. And faith cannot be activated until fear is eliminated. And it does not go away. You confront it and you dominate it. Anything, any area of your life, the enemy is trying to rear his head, rear that ugly head. Now, let me tell you this. Just because you experience something bad in your life does not mean it's going to happen again. And it does not mean it's going to happen to your kids. You establish a new dominion, which is the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, the enemy tried to come at me as a pastor and try to bring that fear to where, oh, man, you know what? Uh, You preach too hard, man. They ain't going to come back. And and, you know, you got to pay the rent. Oh, y'all don't. And he'll try to attack me. Well, you know, man, you know, you better hope these people tithing. And so I had to confront that. And the way he made me confront it is I would let it be known, I don't need your money. I don't care if you give one million a month to the church. I'm still going to preach what God says. And if it applies to you, then you better listen. If it applies to you, then you better take it. And you better do something with it. Amen. I had some people come and said, well, uh, we're leaving. Bye. How come you ain't gone yet? You're taking too long. I'm passing, you know, can I just meet with you real quick? And, uh, you know, I just want you to know. I'm leaving and um, I'll be taking my tithe uh, with me. And, um, okay. And that's why I had to pray for help because I'm like, forget the elevator. We will toss you down and we want to get you down there faster. Amen. We want to get you out of here as quick as possible. I haven't had one person say, uh, well, you know what? We're leaving, but, you know, uh, I'm, I just want to bring my last tithe check and uh, I just want to, you know, because we want to do this right. No, you've already done this wrong. You're out of order. So this tithe check ain't for this church. Go give this to some other church that you find along the way. But you don't get the blessing of this ministry on your life. So get to stepping and keep your tithe check. That baffles people. They're amazed. They're like, surely he did not just do that. I sure did. And you know what happened? We never missed a beat financially because God will easily... God will easily replace a heathen with a saint. 
He's always got another saint that's willing to come along that I don't have to twist their arm to do anything. They will simply follow. Why would he do that? Because my obedience attracts resources. I get tithers coming, man. People come here tithing. Don't need no explanation. Huh? We've always been in abundance. In this ministry and all, and you look back at any video that you ever see of me preaching and I was offensive in every one of them. Uh, <laughs> <praise God. laughs> huh? I ain't been looking for no friends. But how come we still doing good? Something must be working. How come people that become my disciples thrive? Why is that? Why do you thrive when you become my disciple? So, Pastor, I'm your, what do you mean? I'm, am I your disciple because I go there? No, you're not my disciple until you commit to my leadership. Until you man. commit to the program. Are you still going on your own? You're not my disciple. But you could benefit from this, man. Amen. Because order is what God intends. That's his plan all along. But once again... We're going to move forward in faith without being hindered by fear. And so uh, Matthew 14, 27, Matthew 14, 27. But Jesus spoke to them and said once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I'm here. And so he's uh, commanding. So the command of Jesus will override the grip of fear and it'll do it instantaneously. And so we just got to be willing to follow Matthew 14, 28. He says, then Peter called. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. So stop right there. He says, if it's you. And so Peter, at this point, he said, even if I don't understand. Even if it doesn't make sense. If it's you. How many of y'all would do that today? You say, if it's you, Lord, you go ahead and give me that instruction. I'll do it. Come on, how many of y'all in this place and say, I'll do whatever God says. I don't care how crazy it sounds. I don't care if it don't make no sense. If he tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't, I'm not waiting. God ain't got to send me no letter. He just needs to tell me to do it. And guess what I'm going to do? Hallelujah. Man, that's positioning you for great victory. Even if you don't understand, you will obey. Matthew 4, 14, 29, he says, uh, yes. Jesus said, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water. What did he do? Exactly what he saw Jesus do. He walked on water. And because of him, uh, his obedience, see, obedience empowers us to act like Jesus in the earth. Amen. Obedience empowers us to act like Jesus in the earth. And so because he quickly obeyed God, he was able to do something that he saw Jesus do. And he was able to do the same thing. Verse 30. Um, But when he saw the strong wind. So now here's what happens. So you start out, but you got to continue. Look at your name and say you got to continue. Okay, because when you start out, it might not be that bad. But you know what? The enemy is going to try to come at you to throw you off course. So when you start walking and when you start to walk, adversity will come, but you have to learn to maintain that focus that you had when you first stepped out. So think about when Peter first stepped out. Who was he looking at? Jesus. But then that was step one. But by the time he got to step two, come on. How many of y'all, when you first got saved, who was you looking at? Jesus. 
Come on, some of y'all, when you first got saved, you was in a desperate place in your life. Come on, you needed help. Come on, you was at a low point and you started out and all you had was your eyes on Jesus and you took that step and you stayed your focus on Jesus, but then all of a sudden you become a mature Christian and now you start looking at other stuff. And what happens when you start looking at other stuff? You start to sink. And so you got to remember when I cried out to Jesus in desperation, that same old desperate person that I was then, that's still me today. I'm still just as desperate. I'm still looking to him. I still can't figure out nothing on my own. I'm still in need of his hand. I'm still in need of his savior. I'm still needing. But people go from I was desperate about to lose my mind, I didn't have nothing to lean on to false comfort. Now they got opinions. Now they do what they feel like doing. See, when you was desperate, you didn't do what you felt like doing. When you was desperate, you didn't need no sleep to get up to go to church. Come on, somebody, because you was desperate. Even if your house, there was chaos going on in your house, you still got yourself up in the morning and got ready and got to church because you are desperate. Amen. But then you get comfortable. Then all of a sudden the drama at your house can keep you off of your mission. Amen. The drama that you're facing. Come on. Now you can be depressed. Why? Because you're comfortable enough to be depressed. People can't be depressed when they're desperate because I have no time to stop to mope. I'm too desperate. I'm in need of a miracle. I can't afford to be depressed. I can't afford to be down and out. I'm desperate. I got to have God move. I got to have, if God don't show up, I ain't going to make it. If God don't do it, it can't be done. I'm desperate. I'm in need of a miracle. Well, that's the same desperation that you had in the beginning and you now need to have that still. I don't care what type of prosperity you working, walking in, what type of healing you walking in, you still need to keep that level of desperation because it's going to be that desperation that keeps you committed. You don't have that desperation, you won't be committed. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching in here, man. I got to I got to give you this because this is October. You ought to expect some big things to happen. You ought to expect God to do some things. And, you know, he said, man, all this strong wind and all this adversity came. And so now what happened? He was terrified. That's fear. Fear came in. And what did he do? That's what people do now. Instead of walking by faith, they just talking about, save me, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Come, oh, come through for me, Jesus. He's like, you need to walk, man. I came through for you already. Now you crying to me, uh, save me. You got to walk, walk it out. And keep walking in the way. Listen, my wife knows I've been adamant about telling Christians, really this church, but in my house, amen. Look. I don't want to hear about no reports that this this world is bringing. They're doing this. They're doing that. Oh, no, we could be the bank is going to fail. This is all this stuff's going to fail. But to me, all I got eyes for is Jesus, because that's what got Peter in trouble. He got to looking at the news and looking at all the mess going on and looking everywhere. And Jesus said, you started out looking at me. And you are doing something that made no sense. Nobody else was walking on water. Praise God. 
but you were able to do it because you saw me do it. And just because you saw me do it, don't think that you can go run off and do it on your own. You're going to have to keep looking at me. And as long as you look at me, you're going to do what I do. But if you start looking at everything else, all these people, all of a sudden, everybody is interested in all this junk. They're interested in everything going on at the White House, everything going on with the money, everything going on. But who's still looking at Jesus? And if you think you can look at both, then try to take one of your eyes and tell it to look over there. Take the other one and look over there. If you can do that, I'm going to pray for you. Because you have you have a serious condition. We have to have we have to have a singular focus. And our eyes must be on Jesus and him alone. It doesn't matter what the climate is in our world. He is still Jesus. He is still Lord and master. And we still look at him. And Jesus told Peter, why did you doubt me? You know why he doubted Jesus is because he took his eyes off of Jesus. So as soon as you take your eyes off of Jesus in your situation, that's when you're going to doubt him. That's when you're going to start to complain. That's when you're going to murmur. That's when you're going to get depressed because you took your eyes off of Jesus and you failed to see his ability. But if I keep my eyes on Jesus, I say, that's the same Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's the same Jesus that delivered me when I was a stone cold fool. Come on. It's the same Jesus that kept me from going to prison for life. Come on, somebody. It's the same Jesus that kept me from being addicted to drugs. Come on, somebody. It's the same Jesus that kept me from getting killed or killing somebody. I must not be at the right place. That's the problem with the suburbs. Everybody just got so much comfort that they don't know what Jesus delivered them from. If it was not for Jesus, you would be in hell right now. You would be in hell today. If he didn't keep his hand on you, you would not be here. You need to be desperate. You need to be a people that say, I can't make it. Not one moment. If my master is not looking upon me, I'm refusing to turn away. Don't ever allow yourself to be comfortable. Don't ever allow yourself to be comfortable in a situation. Oh, you didn't figure it out. You ain't figured out nothing. All you need to do is what you did in the beginning. Keep your eyes on him. I'm getting out and I'm taking a step. But guess what I'm doing the whole way? I'm looking at him. As long as I keep my eyes on him, then I'm going to be fine. And guess what? We can be confident and know that he that's begun a good work in you. Huh? Come on, stand up on your feet, man. How many of y'all, I just need one person to tell me they've experienced one miracle from Jesus. Anybody in this building? Come on. Anybody in this building? Come on, you experienced at least one miracle. God did something. Come on, how many up in here say, you know, God did something for me, and I know there's no other explanation. It was a miracle. There's no way that I could have got out of that situation. There's no way that that thing could have turned around. There's no way that I could have had a breakthrough like I did. It was God. Y'all in here. So you mean to tell me everybody in this church has had God do something miraculous? So that means we got enough evidence already to make a commitment 
to keep our eyes on him. Listen, I don't care what comes at you. I don't care how difficult it gets. I don't care how tough this battle is. All you need to be able to do is keep your eyes on Jesus. It's the same thing you did. Praise God. When you first got out. Come on. Come on. Some of y'all was in bad situations and then you got saved. Amen. You know what keeps you from going back to doing those things you're delivered from? It's you're still keeping your eyes. Come on, somebody. Yes. Do you understand if I took my eyes off of Jesus, I've been in, I would have been in jail because I would have been in jail for beating up church people. <laughs> I am very serious. Praise God. I would have been in jail for assault. I ain't lying, y'all. It's funny, but I'm not. I would have really done it if I didn't keep. I, I got you, okay? Because sometimes I'd be like, "Who? Hold on, okay, Jesus, huh? Yes, Amen. we can make it. God. <laughs> I want you to know you can make it. Amen. And God is sometimes. Listen, if if He shakes up your situation, that's all right. Because sometimes you got to realize your comfort zone ain't that comfortable. And if you realize it ain't that comfortable, then you're willing to step out. Come on, somebody. How many know it's going to take steps of faith for you to get to the levels that God has for you? Sometimes you are comfortable in this place and you're nervous to do something, but then God wants you to do something else so that you can go higher. There's a greater level that God has for you, but you got to be willing to walk by faith and not by sight. And you cannot walk by faith and not by sight without having your eyes on Jesus. Amen. And you got to keep your eyes locked in on the same one. Come on, I mean, y'all believe something greater is ahead. You're going to get there by keeping your eyes on Jesus. You're going to step into it because you decided the same Lord, the same miracle. I remember he did it. I remember he did. How many of y'all got two of them at least? Isn't that enough for you to keep running with your eyes on him? If he's done more than one. Come on, let's pray. I want to pray right now for souls. Somebody watching this. We want you to know you can look to Jesus. You can look to him right now. He'll come in and bring his delivering power to you. But he's not going to force himself on you. But you got to receive him. Church, let's repeat this prayer. There's going to be people that hear this. And maybe other states, other countries even. I want them to know the same Jesus that I'm following today. They can follow him too. repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus, please forgive me me for all of my sins. sins. I commit my life life into your hands. hands. This day day, I am saved. saved. Do with me me as you please please. and fill me me with the power power of the Holy Holy Ghost in Jesus name. Amen. Clap for the Lord right there.